I'm Nick Ginsberg. Today's leadership quote comes from Steve Jobs. Innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. The Leader Assistant Podcast exists to encourage and challenge assistants to become irreplaceable, game-changing leader assistants. Please review on iTunes. You're listening to episode 18. I'm really excited about today's episode because I posted something on LinkedIn saying, hey, I'm looking for some stellar EAs to interview for the show because I know there are a lot of EAs out there that nobody knows that are rock stars and really kicking butt and taking names. So Nick Ginsburg reached out to me and said, yeah, I'd love to chat and be on the show. So we went for it. I've never met him. I don't know much about him other than he's an EA at Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. So we did an interview and I'm really encouraged by it because he had a lot of good things to say, um, a very engaging story to share. And it just reminded me that there are so many people in the world with amazing stories. So please reach out to me if you want to share your story on the podcast. You can email me at podcast at leaderassistant.com and we can set up an interview if it makes sense. So without further ado, here is my interview with Nick Ginsberg in Melbourne, Australia. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Leader Assistant Podcast. Today I'm joined by Nick Ginsberg, who is Executive Assistant to the Provost and Senior Vice President at Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. Hi, Nick. How's it going on that side of the world? Yeah, good, Jeremy. How are you? I'm doing okay. Happy Monday. I guess it's Monday for us now. It might not be Monday when people listen to this, but that's right. Yeah. (laughs) So, Nick, what was your very first job? Oh, wow. So, uh, it feels like a lifetime ago, but my very first job was working in retail uh, as really a, a sort of a sort of jack of all trades uh, in a retail store, um, which was fantastic. But my probably my first real corporate job uh, was working at one of our local banks um, and really uh, sort of in a customer service area, which is something that I'd always loved. Um, and it was a, sort of a real foundation to sort of my career sort of leading up to now. Um, but yeah, that was, it was, it was great. Um, but as a sort of 20 year old in a, in a bank, it was slightly daunting, but fantastic experience. So you, you learned how to, uh, wear a tie at that point. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. All of, all of the, the grown up things that, that you seem to learn, uh, all, all happened in that job. So wearing a tie and, uh, learning how to, to speak, uh, in meetings and, and watching your tone and, uh, all of that was all in that first job, which was great. So when and why did you become an EA? Well, it's actually quite a funny story for me. So I'd been in banking for a while, uh, very much customer service, uh, supporting home lenders. So really providing, funnily enough, EA type duties uh, to the home lenders and Moved to moved from Queensland uh, down to Victoria, so down to Melbourne, and decided that I wanted to change industries and get into higher education. And when that happened, 
I knew the best thing that I could do would be to transfer into uh, a finance role at the university because I knew I could get in that way. And once I got there, I really wanted to stop and think about what I wanted to do with my career. And I remember really vividly uh, about maybe three, four months in, I was watching the EAs run these meetings and organise their bosses' lives sort of on the next level up in the building that I was in. And I went, that's what I want. Hmm. That has everything in it that I want. I love organising, love customer service, love problem solving. I'm in. Give it to me. But I knew jumping from finance to there was just not going to happen. So I really looked at what was the best path I could take at the university to get me into that role. Uh, and that really was through HR. So I was actually in HR for a couple of years to get a really broad understanding of the university. Uh, and then about four years ago now, um, a role opened up uh, supporting three executives uh, in our central administration area. So there was three vice provosts, um, and that was my first real officially titled EA role, but the EA skills were so strong throughout all my other uh, previous roles that it was obviously destined that I was going to end up in this field. Hmm. So what do you love about your role as an EA? Pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm, uh, I'm not someone that gets sort of down and out on anything to do with the role, but uh, really for me, the key things are uh, absolutely customer service, uh, problem solving. Uh, those two really are the things that I love. So I love playing Diary Tetris. Um, love figuring out what I can squeeze where, what I can shorten. If an emergency happens, I'm not someone that panics. I love it. <laughs> I'm in, happy to jump in and try and fix it. Uh, but really on, on top of that, being an EA and kind of having your own office to run has allowed me to really find uh, – efficiencies and, and areas of productivity to, to really push in the EA space and find better ways of doing things. So all of those things combined never have a, like I have the odd bad day. I mean, let's not lie, but love it. Great role. So what, what are, what's something you don't like about it? Oh, that's, that's uh, a little harder to answer. For me, I don't, love, particularly in the higher education sector, and, and I'm sure it happens in other industries, I'm, uh, no doubt, but there is quite a hierarchy um, in terms of other EAs within the area. So I don't necessarily love that. I'm not someone that, that particularly likes to remind people where I sit in an organisational structure. That doesn't, I think, benefit anyone. So that's probably the thing and that gets uh, that sometimes gets brought up um uh in ways of uh how people deal with you and, and organize meetings and stuff like that that's the thing that i don't particularly love but that's changing quite rapidly particularly at monash so that's great hmm. do you have any crazy stories uh from your career as an assistant uh or maybe some something where you saved the day or or maybe both 
not I don't have any sort of traditional crazy stories. I mean, you hear of these uh, urban sort of legends of EAs uh, having these crazy stories. Um, I don't have one yet, and I'm sure it's to come. Uh, but for me, there, there's been a couple of times, and I think as EAs, we tend to save the day more times than not uh, in various ways. Uh, but absolutely, there have been times where someone in our team, and it's happened to all of us, where we've missed something and I've had to get my boss uh, to a meeting sort of 45 minutes away by car in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now, we don't have the Jetsons technology yet. I can't put him in one of those air vac tubes to get him there. Uh, even, with but, all your, even with all your experience in banking, you can't figure that out? Right. I know, I know. I just need to figure out a way of shrinking him down to put him in one of those those <laughs> tubes to get in there. But I don't, I don't think that's that's quite there yet. Uh, but there's been moments like that where we've had to hurry and cancel meetings and juggle things and, and get him off and uh, away. Um, and I mean, rec- I mean, things happen in personal lives where where people need to to go because of uh, family members that are unwell. My my boss is actually. Uh, from America, so uh, we've had an instance where we've had to get him over there relatively fast and uh, sort of within 20 minutes I'd organised him a flight uh, three hours later to get him from Melbourne to Ithaca and uh, that was probably my proudest moment in the last few months, (laughs) getting him there as fast as I possibly could without any travel agency advice, nothing like that. It was just... Me, my best friend, Google, and away we went. So, yeah, that would be probably the best one. Yeah. Nice. So I'm going to throw you a curveball. So we we connected on LinkedIn not even that long ago, I don't think. And I I believe you responded to a post where I said, hey, I'm looking for some some people to be on the show. Why why did you want to be on on this podcast? Well, I think what you're doing with the podcast and obviously not saying it to you because you're here. Um, it's, uh, really phenomenal. I think anything that brings EAs together is a benefit and such a plus. So I think all of us have a really individual story. So you could have three people that have done the exact same EA role with the same boss and their stories are going to be completely different. So I think the more EAs can share their story of how they got to where they are, what they do, what they love, what they don't love, things that they've found, that's, I mean, a winner. Hmm. So absolutely, I wanted to jump. As soon as there was any kind of inkling that, that I, could get, I could get on the podcast, of course, happy hmm. to share my story. And I think the more EAs that do it, the better. Hmm. That's a great answer, Nick. I know I threw you a curveball, but that was, you hit a home run on that one. <laughs> Great. Um, if you could snap your fingers and instantly give all assistants in the world more of something, what would it be? My, my gut instinct is time, but I think that's a cliche answer. So <laughs> I think if, if, if every EA could have the ability 
to analyze their work and how they do it to find efficiencies, that would be my number one. Hmm. And I think not everyone has that that uh, sort of that brain to be able to to look at what they're they're doing and figure out a better way. I definitely don't have the best brain for that, but I'm constantly trying to learn. Um, but I think if everyone was just able to look at something and go, no, I can definitely do that 20 times better, then that would be amazing. Imagine how fast we'd all be. Yeah. It'd just be nonstop. Hmm. So that'd, that'd be it. That's great. So what's your best tip for managing constant interruptions? <sighs> so for me, I break my day up. So I have a look at my manager's diary the day before. Obviously, we're looking at it 24-7 for weeks. But really, I sit down and hone in on his diary that night before. And I think, right, when am I going to have the least amount of interruptions? We're always going to be interrupted. But where is the, where are the gaps? Where am I going to be able to sit there and really hammer away some important work? And that's what I focus on. So for me... My boss and I are early, pe- are early people, so we both get into work before 7.30. So he gets in at about 6.45 in the morning. I'm at work at, at, at 7.30, the latest, and that time in the morning is for us. And then once his meetings start at 9 o'clock, I look at when I'm going to be able to find time to really sort of lock myself away. And when I say lock myself away, I don't mean in an office just kind of focus on that work and I know that I'm not going to get as many interruptions as if say a big meeting was about to start or whatnot Hmm. so really finding those those sweet spots in the diary where you can where you know that you can get a good 45 minutes done without anyone bothering you yeah that's a great great tip um what do you wish executives would do differently when working with their assistants well, that's a really good one. I'm really lucky um, uh, with my boss. So he trusts me 100% um, and has handed over a lot of stuff to me that hasn't happened in the past. I think if executives can have that trust and really give their assistance the ability to be autonomous it's such a, a, a great relationship then. Hmm. So I think if they, and, and most execs are like this, but there's still a few that, that are, aren't as trusting and that's okay. But if, if the world in general, but mainly the execs could get a bit more trusting, I think that would really change things. Hmm. So do you manage your executives e- email? Do you reply on their behalf and, and, are you in their inbox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I manage his diary, of course, um, all incoming messages, and I deal with uh, his inbox. Um, I write back to some, uh, but I often will draft responses for most and, and really work with him on what needs to be done, and then I'll take ownership of those. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. Is there anything you would recommend to an assistant who has a boss that is very hesitant to let them into mm-hmm. their inbox? Uh, what would, how would you encourage them to 
try to get in that situation. Yeah, I I have had that um, before, and I and I just said that my boss is amazing and has trusted me a hundred percent. But I'm the first EA uh, that he has allowed uh, access to his inbox. Hmm. So I was I was the the, the first person um, to really get in to that, which is amazing, and I'm forever grateful. But I sat down with him in the beginning, and I showed him how I work with my my then previous or my my then current boss or my now previous boss. So this is what I do. This is how I manage the inbox. This is why it's easier for you. And once I showed him really how it can work and what it means for him in terms of his time being able to be spent on other things, that was an instant win. So I really think for other EAs, it's really important to show the benefits. Hmm. Don't go in and say that it makes your job easier. And, and when I say your job, I mean the EA's role easier because mm-hmm. that doesn't – then they're not going to really worry about that. It's really about what's in it for the executive. So if they know that by you being in their inbox, they get an additional hour a day, that they can do anything, it, I, it's tough to find an, an executive that would say – no, thank you. <laughs> I think once you really kind of show them that, that you can be saving them time. I mean, I do things in my boss's inbox. I'm, I'm marking stuff as urgent, marking stuff that I've actioned so that when he opens up his inbox, he goes, right, I only need to do these 20 emails. Nick's got the rest. Hmm. That's and great. that's instantly saving that time. Yeah. it's awesome. So what should executives look for in an assistant? I absolutely think that anyone that is recruiting for an EA, you want someone that is at, that is tech savvy, that is really interested in learning new things and understanding how the business works and has that drive because there are plenty of people out there, and I'm not just meaning EAs, that just love turning up to their job and kind of punching away at the keyboard and then go. But if you want someone that's really, truly sort of part of your business, it needs to be that kind of driven person. Hmm. So let's talk about um, your biggest mistake you made as an assistant (laughs) and what you learned from the experience. Okay, so... I, I will. There's a disclaimer to this. Um, I, I pride myself on my speed at work, mm-hmm. so being able to process things as fast as possible without losing that attention to detail uh, and having mistakes. So, I had been working for my manager for about six months, and he meets with his manager, which is our vice chancellor and president, uh, weekly, and so. I I do up his agenda, he approves it, I send it to the Vice-Chancellor and that's all good. What I did was accidentally, uh, we've all done it I'm sure to a varying degree, hit send as I watched the email disappear to the wrong email list. Hmm. And so I'd sent his agenda, which is very confidential, out to a group of people that should not have seen it I 
have never been more mortified. Um, and I don't particularly love making mistakes. And so I once I sort of regained my composure and started breathing again, I, I got up, went straight into my boss's room and said, this is what's just happened. I've emailed them to, to recall the, the message, but you need to know. And I'm so sorry, it won't happen again. He was very, very, very nice about it, told me not to worry, it's all fine, there was nothing that bad on it anyways, which made me feel better. But it really honed in that, yes, speed is good, but I need to stop and really think and double check before I hit send. Because hmm. you, you get into this rhythm where you're, where you're hitting send and going and going and going and going and going, that you aren't really paying full attention if you're in that sort of fast zone of sending those emails. And so it really made me since then stop and go, right, I've got this attachment, this is the body, this is the subject, that's the right person in the two field, I'm hitting send. So it really forced me to slow down to go, hey, what am I doing? Because you can't, you can make that mistake once, maybe twice, but if you make that mistake all the time, it's not, not good. Hmm. <laughs> it wasn't good the first time. <laughs> I still feel sick thinking about it. Yeah, I've been saved by the Gmail um, undo send option. Yeah. Um, yes, which I turned on. After Very that. swiftly after that <laughs> happened and, and bumped it out to the maximum time as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, that, that's uh, – I haven't had to use it yet, um, which is good. But, no, that is a, a bit of a, a godsend. I was going to say I use it probably once a week or a few times a week. <laughs> um, well, now I'm, now I'm insanely paranoid about where my emails are going, so I uh, uh, haven't used it yet. But I'm sure the time will come. Mm -hmm. Um. Do you can you think of an example of something that you've seen either your boss or another executive do really really well when they're working with their assistant? Are you ready to elevate your career in 2024? I'm Maggie Olson, founder of Nova Chief of Staff Certification, the first of its kind online course for aspiring and existing chiefs of staff. With curriculum taken directly from on-the-job responsibilities, Nova's self-paced learning modules provides you with hands-on experience so you can feel competent and confident moving into a chief of staff style role. It's the perfect next step for executive assistants. Head to leaderassistant.com slash Nova to learn more, grab the syllabus, and enroll today. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of examples uh, so in the chancellery building where we are now, uh, our deputy vice chancellor enterprise, who you would hope is at the forefront of these things, um, but him and his executive assistant, uh, they use Trello boards like I've never seen. Hmm. They're both in Trello boards. They're, things are moving and things are live and they're happening all the time and it's phenomenal. And as soon as you see that, you go, okay, I need to be doing something like that. Hmm. But yeah, it's that sort of having the two roles really combine and overlap, I think is so key. And I think they've done that with the Trello board. Um, there's a constant flow of information. It's fantastic. Hmm. 
So if someone told you they were considering becoming an executive assistant, what would you tell them? So I have a standard so I have a standard line that I say sort of say to people that if you think that it is sitting down, answering the phone and getting tea and coffee and that's it, then it's not the role for you. The EA role has changed so much and in Australia so much, even over the last five years, it's gone from quite traditional to now very much uh, an influencer within the business. So I say to people, if you if you want to be involved in the decisions and really help your, your executive change the world, which is what I want to do, I want to be supporting an executive that is that is literally changing the world. And so if, you, if that's what you want and you want to be in that and you love problem solving, then then go for it and start building networks and introducing yourself to people, really make it clear as to why you're wanting to make a career change and the opportunity will open up eventually. So what's a productivity hack that you can't live without? You already mentioned the time blocks and kind of like focus, finding focus time. What's something else that you've found that helps your productivity? Uh, So about... 12 months ago. So I've always been relatively paperless. I don't I don't particularly like printing paper both from a sustainability point of view and also I find paper on my desk quite annoying and stressful. So So you can relate to 12, my uh, you can relate to my podcast episode where I said paper is awful but still useful. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, 100%. And so and and funnily enough, my boss is entirely paper-based. So and that's that's fine. I don't need to be paper based though. Hmm. So he can get everything paper and I'm happy to print for him, but for me and how I manage my role has to be paperless. So about twelve months ago went paperless, got a new iPad, everything is taken down on the iPad, handwrite handwritten notes. Um, but really moving paperless and having tr- sort of that true mobility in your role has almost freed up enough time for me to actually stop and evaluate what else can change. So it's given me that ability to really go, okay, that actually freed up a chunk of my time. Now what else can I do? And that was phenomenal. So really taking that paper away, using the app. So I use monday.com mm-hmm. as my, uh, uh, my to-do list and my tracker. And I've got uh, working with me, a team of EAs that support the vice provost that report into my boss. And we're all on monday.com. We have clear visibility of what each other's doing. So the phone calls have cut in half. We're not calling each other with little questions. We can see where something's at. So little things like that, which add up, are huge. So really taking that that leap into being paperless, having everything online in a cloud where you don't need to be sort of chained to your desk from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's, that's not what needs to happen anymore. Yeah. I like the what you said about the cloud. I, I'm very adamant that everyone should have devices where if you dropped them in the toilet or if you dropped them in the lake, 
you're, you're, you could just get another one and get right back to it. So 100%. Everything should be backed up yeah. on the cloud. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I have been caught out before, um, particularly with my work laptop, where a few years back I'd lost a bunch of important documents. At the moment that happened, I went, I'm never doing that again. Mm-hmm. So I save everything in, in um, Google Drive. I've got team drives and everything is in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Everything. You just can't. I don't think you can live any other way now. Yeah. Too scary. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What's, uh, what's one thing you wish you knew more about? Oof. There's a lot I wish I knew more about. I'm, I'm not the person that will ever say I'm amazing and I know everything. That's never going to come out of my mouth because I don't. Uh, for me, we work really heavily um, as a university in research, in the research world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's stuff that's being done at the moment at the university that would help my role if I could just connect with the right people and we're a very large university. So it's uh, often quite hard finding that right one person to chat to, but we're starting to get into the AI space as a university now, which is great, but I wish I knew more on that stuff. Mm. So that's what I've really been kind of honed in and, and learning and not being afraid. Like I, uh, I listened to the podcast that you did or the webinar, sorry, uh, a few days ago, or last week, um, uh, with base, mm-hmm. um, on AI and that, I mean, even from that podcast, you go, Oh my God, there's so much that I can do. Mm-hmm. So really learning into that, that, that space is probably my number one mm-hmm. sort of, of what I'm focusing on now. That's a good, uh, I think that's a good choice. <laughs> that's yeah. Good, well, there's so- worth, worth your time to, figure out that stuff yeah i mean there's so much that can be done in it i mean even i've just downloaded google assistant last Mm -hmm. week which i'm very slow um clearly on that on that boat but uh amazing i've been using it nonstop, Mm -hmm. and even that's helped so i really want to learn more in the ai space because i think ai i think we're incredibly lucky as eas because i think ai is really going to help us be so much better at our jobs. Hmm. I agree. Uh, what's, what makes an assistant a leader? Definitely standing out and sharing your story without being worried. So I don't, I, I think of myself sometimes as a leader, but there's a bunch of EA leaders in my, in my workplace and I think the more EAs share their tips, their hacks, what's, what, what works for them, what doesn't, all of that stuff and their journey, I think that makes them a leader to other EAs. I think in terms of a leader within the business, really understanding your role in the organisation and not as someone that is just an assistant. There is so much more to the job where you can really be involved in uh, the running 
of the business and be help help sort of put in place the mechanisms to have a decision that will literally change the world. And if you're in that and you're showing the rest of your company that that's what you can do, then you're instantly a leader. It's all about putting yourself out there and sharing Hmm. and being knowledgeable. Love it. Well, Nick, I really, really appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk with us. And um, I think it's just still amazing with technology that we can, you can be in Melbourne, Australia. I'm in St. Louis, (laughs) Missouri. uh, And we're just having a chat and that people literally from the rest of the world are going to listen to this episode um, for years and years to come. And so I, I just props to you for sticking your head out and reaching out and taking a taking a risk and being vulnerable and putting yourself out there and uh yeah how can we how can my listeners um find you online and support what you're up to yeah absolutely so uh i'm on linkedin as i think everybody should be uh so you can find me on linkedin uh if you just search for nick ginsburg you'll see my 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 dorky face um (laughs) on there um and on twitter as well i i have grown to love Twitter recently in the last sort of 12 months. Uh, but I'm at Nick underscore Ginsburg. So, uh, come and, come and join me. Awesome. Well, I'll share those links on the show notes so people can get to those easily. Um, but yeah, thanks again. And we will hopefully talk to you soon and hopefully meet in person someday. I'm, I'm excited to come to Australia someday. I don't have it planned yet, but I'm very excited to get, get that way. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good one, man. Thanks. You too. Thanks for tuning in to my conversation with Nick. Please check out the show notes at leaderassistant.com forward slash 18. And don't forget to join our Facebook community at facebook.leaderassistant.com. And lastly, be sure to sign up for email updates at my website at goburrows.com forward slash sign up, where I share tips, tricks, resources, um, online course announcements, event announcements, and more. Help my dad out and leave a review on iTunes. GoBullows.com